Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Let's get things popping with the 8 at 8 o'clock. One. All right, let's start with the Texans and the Ravens, the injury report yesterday. A lot of the same familiar names on it for the Texans. I, I think the biggest news probably, I say news, I mean biggest thing to keep an eye on for today yeah. is that Will Anderson and Jonathan Grenard both practiced on Tuesday this week, limited, did not practice yesterday. Both obviously played in the playoff game this past weekend against Cleveland. As you pointed out, Grenard may have gotten banged up along the way in that game. Yeah, Will Anderson um, played about the number of snaps we expected him to play. Seemed in good spirits in the locker room afterwards. This just feels like the way they've been managing these guys over the course of the last yeah, month or so I more than anything else. To they're you. at that point in the year where most of the practices are glorified walkthroughs anyway, and you just try to keep a guy off his off his legs as much as possible, and then get your cardio in. Um, which, however, they're getting their cardio in to stay in shape, and then you show up on Saturday and play. Yep. Um, Mark Andrews back, full full go at practice. Has not been officially activated yet, but he was full go at practice. They're tight ends, so they, it looks like we'll see. You know, yeah. Andrews, we'll see what the team thinks he looks I, like in terms of being able to play in an NFL playoff that, game. That is a little bit He's able um, to practice. So, Mark Andrews, having been gone for as long as he is, that is a big wrinkle that I, I think is. It's impossible to predict whether or not Andrews is going to play and how well he'll do, but I know for almost certain that it's commanding a certain amount of time from the Texans coaches that they got to figure out. Like, all good right, point. Isaiah Likely has yeah. been good in his in his replacement, and but Mark Andrews is a different type of all around complete tight end compared to Isaiah Likely. So we need to know a if he's in there, how effective is he, and b how is the play calling going to change? Because Mark Andrews is very very good. And and they've been operating without him. Remember, the story on the Ravens early in the year, this year, was, wow, why are they relinquishing so many leads? They were getting these big leads, and then they were relinquishing them. And then all of a sudden, it stopped. Um, right. Yeah, they right. stopped relinquishing right. leads. So the defense the defense kind of clicked. But then also, they were doing that without Mark Andrews. They were they were holding on to that lead. So it's it could be good. It could be bad. It could be, okay, Mark Andrews comes in there, and that makes them unstoppable. Or it could also be that it's uh, like... You're you're adding this bum potentially like not fully recovered player to a, a finely tuned machine, and maybe it doesn't actually work out. Yeah, that I mean, well. it ain't broke right now, yeah. right? Like it ain't broke, so you know maybe adding another element kind of uh, throws a glitch into things for them. Two. Let's hear from John Harbaugh, the Ravens head coach on the Houston Texans. You know, they're just 17 weeks better. You know, I think they do a good job. Obviously, they've steadily improved every single week. I thought they were a very good football team week one. I think uh, if you go back and check your records, you'll you'll find that. You know, so they've uh, they haven't surprised me or they haven't surprised us. They've, they've done pretty much what what I thought they were going to do. They're a very good football team. They're very talented. They play very hard. They execute at a high level. The, you know, CJ is just doing a phenomenal job. Nico Collins, Michigan guy. You know, man, he's he's a go-to guy for him. A lot of a lot of skill players, good offensive line playing, very physical. Defense is all over the field as you'd expect. You know, obviously, um, just a really good football team. He rattles through the 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 on-field stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me, the depth chart, the players. Obviously, CJ's a big part of that. 
the one thing John Harbaugh didn't cite, ironically, with him being the head coach of the Ravens, is the fact that the coaches are 17 weeks more advanced now, too. Yeah. That was D'Amico Ryan's first game as a head coach. Like, he's still working through game operation stuff yeah. in week one. Bobby Slowick, boy, what was the phrase Bobby Slowick used? Uh, he got his boat rocked. In week one. Remember Bobby Sloak said that after week two yeah. or three? Like, yeah, I got my boat rocked a little bit early yeah. on in these Ravens games. Like, I, I think that's that to me is something that, that at least with John Harbaugh and Matt Cut right there, kind of flies under the radar, is that the guys who are actually pushing all the buttons for the Texans are very, very different now here in week two of the postseason as opposed to week one of the regular, week one of the regular season for them ever in the jobs that they're in. Yeah, you yeah. Know? That's... um. And I think that that also too is something like you start to think about the off season that okay that that's uh, it's not always so simple that when you have a rookie offensive coordinator uh, or a, a replacement offensive coordinator for a good quarterback that it just goes swimmingly uh, and we've seen like very like we've seen yeah. Ventra, Ben Roethlisberger struggling when Todd Haley comes in uh, you know right. like very they, people weren't happy with Bill O'Brien if you can imagine that in New England the first year he was offensive coordinator so it's um, it's not always as simple as that. Three. Uh, all right, some NFL coaching news we'll rattle through here. Let's start with Mike McCarthy returning to the Dallas Cowboys. This dropped last night. This is the biggest story in the league right now, is Mike McCarthy returning to the Dallas Cowboys. I think unexpected, Seth, just based on the fact that they were so poor against Green Bay. Like yeah. I, This is what I wonder. The final score of that game was 48-32, which is still, that's a 16-point win. It's not good. But that game was a much bigger blowout than that. Like if that that game played like a game that was like fifty to ten. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. there was never a point in that game where the Cowboys were in it. The Green Bay took the ball to start the game, took eight minutes, drove down the field, scored a touchdown, and they were up twenty seven nothing at halftime or twenty seven seven at half. Cowboys got a touchdown literally with no time left in the half. But that and they came out in the second half and steamrolled was, them in the second half too. I I, I wonder if that thing were a true true like yeah. forty or fifty point blowout. I, I think if honestly, there'd be a new coach. This is again though. This goes all the way back to exactly why did Jerry Jones hire Mike McCarthy in the first place? There was never any doubt that he could be a good and capable capable regular season coach, but. They things had unraveled and they the the Packers had underperformed in the playoffs. Or they'd had either the two conference championships that he was in after the Super Bowl, he had a, a complete uh, 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 he got destroyed once and then the other time they blew up. They blew a halftime lead that you could see by watching the TV copy was at least partly because the head coach stopped coaching. The head coach wasn't aware that Clay Matthews was injured and gone from the game. He was beaming ear to ear and like the entire third quarter because they had such a nice yeah. lead. He just let it slip through his hands, and now you're you're seeing the same thing. I don't know why I'm even getting kind of angry about it uh, because it's it's fun to watch this this train crash, but it's like on a loop. It's going to be every year. They're going to win 12 games next year. They're still a really good team. They've got a really good defense for the regular season. That defense continually fell apart at the end of important games in the final moments of games. Like, it just, it's not built to get stops when you need it to get stops. It's built to compile big statistics and nice regular season performances, but they're not built to actually, they're not built to actually win playoff games. And it's all because of Mike McCarthy and your general manager. Dude, they must be, not that I'm crying the blues for those people up there yeah. in Dallas today. Like, that's got to be a horrible feeling. Yeah. They're bringing Mike McCarthy back. Like yeah. you're, you're going into next season with no hope. It's you're doing the exact same thing they did with Jason Garrett yeah. for years and years and, it and never years works. and years. Every single year, you're like, well, they can't bring him back, right? They say they can't possibly bring him back. Boy, wow. 
four. Um, all right, let's keep it with the coaching news in the NFC East. This this was a tweet last night from Diana Rossini of The Athletic. She tweeted this, Seth. Keep in mind, this is on the heels of the Eagles getting blown out by the Bucks, 32-9 on Monday night in the wildcard round of the playoffs. Both Eagles GM Howie Roseman and head coach Nick Sirianni have been reaching out to available NFL coaches and coordinators as well as agents across the league to evaluate potential coordinator candidates to join their coaching staff as they plan for the 2024 season. Which I guess this is just another way of saying Nick Sirianni, like Mike McCarthy, has survived a monumental collapse. Not just a monumental collapse in the postseason. The Cowboys at least were able to steer the ship into the shore in the regular season. The Eagles were one of the worst teams in football down the stretch in the regular season, too. They lost including the playoffs, six out of their last seven games. They were 10-1 and one at one point this year. I would point to the hazards, my good friends, of um, desperately hiring an offensive-minded head coach. Yeah. Because, um, like, this is what happens. You get you, – you start you start forgetting that, like, oh, wait a second, I'm hiring a head coach, aren't I? Because, uh, like, Nick Sirianni had himself a really good offensive coordinator. He, he stripped himself of play-calling duties – your offensive-minded head coach. And then when it, it started working for him, when he had Jonathan Gannon as his defensive coordinator and he had Shane Steichen as his play caller on offense, he lost that play caller, and now your blessed offensive-minded head coach doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Like, had, like one of the ugliest and weirdest plans for his quarterback in a playoff game where you just he had no options at any point. Um, a quarterback they just paid a boatload of money. It's... It's bad up there. Like yeah. they've just they've been awful. I don't know how you go into that as a fan or as a player, like trusting that you're that these guys know what the hell they're doing. Right. They fell apart. The the panic move to put Patricia in there is the most hilarious one. They've got guys, they were talking on the broadcast. Um oh I can't wish remember which defensive back it was. Talking about how, like, well, you know, we're still trying to, you know, understand his philosophy and get used to his terminology and everything. Classic Matt Patricia. Like smartest guy in the room, right? He's going to come in and basically reinvent the damn defense and it, it, like in the middle of the season. It's just unbelievable. How is Matt Patricia, the man who single-handedly gifted you your own Super Bowl championship yeah, man. to a previous coach because he was such a bad defensive coordinator, you decide this is the guy that's going to fix the emergency. It was a thank you from Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie. They're like, thank you for giving us that Super Bowl. We're going to make you the play caller on defense for this team. I think of all the – Joe Judge and Matt Patricia are my least favorite people in the whole – Belichick universe, like yeah, guys, that's a good guys one. that were gifted head coaching jobs simply because they had sniffed Tom Brady's job, yeah, by yeah. proxy. And it turns out like they Patricia sucked. hadn't even like barely <laughs> sniffed it. They wouldn't even let him near his locker. They said that they used tried to, to, they used to catch him late at night trying to sniff his right, jock, and yeah. they, they 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 successfully kept. Sorry, him Sorry, that's not the way to go about getting a head yeah. coaching job. He's like, I heard it is actually the is way that? to go about it. Um, Five. All right, one more from the NFL coaching world. The New Orleans Saints have opted for patience as well in 2024, and they are sticking with head coach Dennis Allen. After another fruitless season in Bayou Country, the Saints were 9-8 and eight this year. He went 7-10 and 10 in his first year with the, with the, uh, with the Saints. Um, General Manager Mickey Loomis cited the records of some legendary coaches at the start of their careers, apparently, when defending the decision to move forward with Dennis Allen, Seth. Belichick, this is a quote from uh, Loomis, here's his first three seasons, 6-10, 7-9, 7-9. Tom Landry, and he recites Tom Landry was you know was bad the first five years. Bill Walsh, same thing. So I think the easy thing to do is just look at the results and say, oh, no, we've got to have a change. You need to look beyond that. What are the reasons why we were 9-8 and eight instead of 13-4? and four? It's collective. It's the players. It's the coaches. It's me. It's our staff. It's our roster. 
So my assessment is Dennis Allen is a good coach. Yeah. End quote. So the Saints are sticking with old DA as their head coach. That's probably not. Uh, that's not hope inspiring. I think the uh, the one thing with the Saints that I might wonder is just maybe they feel that because they're they're still unraveling some of the issues that they have to financially that it's just not the year to make a push for a genuinely like awesome candidate. So they're just going to ride this out. He's their bridge coach. They fired their OC. Yeah. Carmichael. Yeah. Yeah. And he's been there forever. Ever. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's been over multiple Pete Carmichael Jr. Yeah. I played for his dad. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I didn't play for him. His dad was a receivers coach. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome guy. Yep. Six. Uh, quickly on the, uh, on the Rockets, uh, they lose last night to the New York Knicks. One Oh nine to 94 rough road trip for your squad here in Houston for the, uh, for the Rockets one in five. On the road trip, and Ime Udoka, none too pleased with the toughness and physicality of his team. This was a game that was kind of close at halftime, and then the the Knicks just kind of put it on him in the fourth quarter. Obviously a disappointing road trip, Udoka said. We regressed in a lot of areas. Our toughness, our physicality, competitive standpoint, we took a step back. We were very soft across the board in a lot of ways, end quote. Um, so the Rockets are now two games below 500, Seth, for the first time since they were 1-3 and three to start the season. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. That's okay. We're just uh, they're just uh, they're pacing themselves. This. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, did, did people really set the bar high enough that they thought they were going to be like uh, looking for home court advantage in the finals? No, no, no. But, no, but I, I had started to get – and I'm still excited about the young nucleus. Like, yeah. J- Jalen Green is on a separate burner for me right now than the yeah. rest of the young nucleus. Yeah. They might need to move on from Jalen Green here at some point, but I'm, I'm still overall excited about the direction of the team. Um, my goal all season long was just be one of those 7 through 10 teams where yeah. you're playing in for a chance to yeah. get into the postseason. Yeah. Is the season, what is this, January? We're not it's even middle in Valentine's of January. Day yet. Middle yeah, of January. I go, but man, you NBA fans, I tell you, it's amazing. <laughs> like they're, they're one in three in the middle of the, in, in, in January over a stretch. My God. One in five, but the one win Excuse was me, like a two-point win over Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Like that's, yeah. yeah it's, that's, a, it's, a, it's a rough spot they're in. Thank good. Seven. Derek Henry. I, I, will, I promise you this. I'm not going to lose sleep over the Rockets no, no, having no, a, no, no. a rough stretch in January. Not in the middle of the NFL playoffs? Yes. No, I'm good. I'm, I'm fine. Um, we do have to have eight headlines in this segment. Thus, oh, no, no, I know. You yeah. asked me whether I'm concerned or not. I'm like, I, yeah. no, I don't give a damn. Yeah. Like, I think they're going to be just fine. I like this young core. I like. I don't know why you would get distraught or upset over uh, the fact that a team that was definitely overperforming is now looking more like you expected them to. The fact that they've had stretches of overperforming should make you optimistic that there's going to be more stretches of overperforming coming down the pike. Derrick Henry. According to Derrick Henry, almost traded to a contender at the trade deadline. Here was Derrick Henry on the Bussin' with the Boys podcast. This is Taylor Luan and Will Compton's podcast, two former teammates of Derrick Henry on a trade that nearly happened at the trade deadline. It was close. It was close. For real? Like it was, yeah. You know something? It was close. It was close, boys. It was, it was close. To who? Um, it, it was in the playoffs? Yeah. Yeah, it was... It was uh, I know uh, two for sure. It was. I mean, I I, I don't know the the other one. I, I don't know if that would have happened, but one of them. Were, I felt like it was it was it was pretty close. What makes you a lot a lot a lot a lot went down with, between you know that little saga with the, with the trade and all that stuff. Okay, so they a lot went down with that little saga. Apparently, Meanwhile, came close to moving Derrick Henry in Mike, Tennessee. Mike Vrabel obviously was fired after the season. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, uh, the the general um, the the general manager Rand Carthon Rand Carthon. Every time I want to say his name, I think I must be getting it wrong. 
I, I was going to say Rand Carthon, but like I can't be Rand. I'm thinking no, his that name wrong. is Rand. I know, yeah. I know. But every time, I'm just telling you, uh, I'm going to have a hard time with that for yeah. a long time. Who would have taken Derrick Henry, who's still in the playoffs? Baltimore, for sure. Yeah. Baltimore, for sure. They needed running back help. They lost J.K. Dobbins. They lost the other the, the, uh, they, young they signed kid they Delvin lost. Cook. They signed Dalvin yeah, Cook. Yeah, they would have. Yeah, would you rather have Derrick Henry or Dalvin Cook? Yeah, Give me Derrick sure. Henry. Boy, Bal- that would have been Except for the playing Baltimore part, that part that, hey, that part would have been fun. I'd love to see Derrick Henry this weekend on the Ravens. Last I checked, the Texans are the kryptonite for Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry has excelled in an outside zone-based scheme for a long time this year. He still led the league in rushing um, despite having a horrible offensive line in Did front of him. really? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> nobody cares anymore. Um <laughs> But uh, I mean, I know he have a, had a good year. No, overall. I do. Th- I do think that um, I do think there's a chance that he could. No, I think Christian. Who was the best? Christian McCaffrey and then Derek. Oh, yeah. Derek Henry. It was Christian McCaffrey then Derek Henry. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Christian still, McCaffrey by like 300 yards. Still, I wouldn't have guessed he was second. Let the in the AFC league. in rushing. Yeah, is what I, meant I wouldn't to have say. guessed that. I mean, you know, the two games I saw him, he looked like trash. I know. Yeah. Oh, well, if it weren't for the Texans, he could have been close to Christian McCaffrey. Absolutely. If yeah. he had played last year's Texans, right? He would have beat Christian McCaffrey for uh, for the rushing lead. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I last one. This is how bereft of headlines we are today. Remember Major Applewhite, former head coach of the University of Houston Cougs? He's going to be your new head coach at South Alabama. And those are your headlines. That's We had a tough time finding eight of them today, man. I'm not going to lie. Well, they're not headlines. They're uh, It's just eight things. We have a tough time finding eight it's of those eight as well. Ocho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so there you go. Um, D'Amico Ryans, uh, J.J. Watt told D'Amico Ryans, at the end of a game last season, go make Houston great again. Uh, we were wondering if that was a precursor, if if, if, if that meant that J.J. and D'Amico already knew something was in the works with the Texans. They've now both been asked about it, J.J. Watt and D'Amico Ryans, about that moment, and we'll hear from both of them on that next. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. We get to Dan Orlovsky in the next segment. He had some interesting things to say about the Texans defensively against the uh, against the Ravens. Uh, Ravens-Texans, 3.30 start on Saturday. Um, big watch party out, uh, the Texans watch party, going to be out near Discovery Green out there, right in front of the convention center, so that'll be really cool. Um D'Amico Ryans and J.J. Watt, this this made the rounds quite a bit over the past weekend. On the field following J.J.'s last game, which was in San Francisco, D'Amico, of course, the D.C. for the 49ers at the time, J.J. playing for the Cardinals, they met at midfield, and J.J. Watt had a plea to D'Amico Ryans regarding the Houston Texans. Oh, how are you, pal? Congrats, baby. Oh, Congrats you, on a great career, man. You, man. All right? Thank You're the best, baby. You're the best. Go make, go make Houston yeah, great again. We'll do it. Go make Houston great again. <laughs> yeah, we'll I love do. you, brother. I, I appreciate you, man. Okay, so that, that led to some speculation. Like, oh, did they, did they know something already? Was this already in the works? You know, was wishful thinking from J.J. Watt? Um, J.J. Watt was on the Pat McAfee show for his weekly hit yesterday, and uh, the McAfee crew asked him about his comments to D'Amico Ryan in D'Amico Ryan's in that clip. 
You knew he was going to be the guy, huh? Whenever he was head coach of Houston, Texas, you knew it was going to work or what? I mean, I knew I knew what I wanted to happen. I know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I it's just, uh, let's say it's, what, what is it? It's manifestation. Uh, you oh. just put it out there in the Don't world. Don't start, man. Don't start, please. Start, man. Let's start, man. Let's start, man. Oh, no. Oh, no. What happened? I, am I going into an ayahuasca retreat? Die. Okay. Uh, you know, what what happened? I don't know. Pablo Sanchez. On my- <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were having a good week. <laughs> yeah, that all that universe stuff. It's big, man. Manifest mean, it. Did he mean manifest destiny? No, 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 oh. no. Uh, like in the in the book, The Secret, uh, they talk oh. about you manifest things by basically putting it out into the universe. Oh, okay. Like believing it, and then it becomes true. Gotcha. And everything. The reason I didn't it, know that it was it was in a book. It's uh, it, <laughs> no, 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 no. You see it, Rev- no, no. Now that you know that, you're gonna start seeing it at various times. Okay. Uh, like when either athletes or actors talk about manifesting something. Okay. It's usually it's based on the the principles in the book, The Secret. Um. Which is like whatever. It's kind of like so things become. You know, it's if you believe it, you can achieve it. All that kind of. Have stuff. you read it's the all book? Up. I did. Okay. I did. Yeah, because okay. I was curious about like what the hell is there. There's some good to it. Okay. Um, it all depends on what you know, what level uh, of buy-in you have for it. Gotcha. I do think that it does lead some people to. Um, like because they're so damn convinced they're going to reach their goals that they just. Throw caution to the wind, which is interesting. I can respect that. Yeah, you can respect yeah. it, but it's also I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. Sign the guy who got in a U-Haul to drive to Houston to start a radio. Career. You manifested, you manifested it. it man. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah. Um, now you no, yeah. read the secret. No, no, no. There's some good stuff to it. Yeah. No, it's like anything else. Honestly, in life, it's like I, there's a lot of value to it, but it's also I think a lot of people latch onto it. Um, without fully grasping it or comprehending it or actually doing it, and they use it as an excuse to be like, "Hey, I can basically abandon all responsibility. <laughs> right. It's just as, as long as I sit here and believe stuff's going to happen, you know. Yes. Just, I, just, as long as I believe it, I need to read this book. I would say the universe helps those who helps themselves. Yeah. That's what I always say to okay. them. Like Whether that. it's your God, your universe, whichever, whatever you're using, yeah. you choose to believe that, that God, God helps them who helps themselves. Um. So yeah, that's what the manifesto okay. was. The question is: Has D'Amico gone and made Houston great again, like JJ asked him to do? Here was JJ Watt on D'Amico Ryan's and the job he's done so far. D'Amico said in his this week in his media, he said, "My goal when I came here was to restore pride in the organization and for people to be able to walk around Houston wearing Texas gear with pride." And I think that mission has absolutely been accomplished. I mean, I think that what he's done and what that team has done, and to watch that city just be fully revitalized, be fully proud of their team, be able to you know talk about the Texans, wear Texans, post on social media about the Texans with full pride uh, and that stadium was going absolutely bonkers on Saturday it was it was really cool to see and I know literally exactly what that feeling feels like and I'm just so damn happy that this this city's getting to experience it again I've got this image of somebody looking over in the corner and seeing their dusty old cell phone that they haven't they haven't posted on social media since 2019 and they're like I'm gonna I'm gonna do it I'm gonna go over to that iPhone 7. And I'm going to post on social media with pride, and that's uh, and, and D'Amico has enabled that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. That part was, <laughs> it was. Uh, it was cool. not absolutely. <laughs> like no. <laughs> Do they have the courage to post on social media now? The, the, now that the Texans are good again, yeah. Um, it was cool on uh, Saturday from like the beginning of the day, like all the way through, uh, like pregame and. Uh, the game itself, like I was out 
just getting breakfast in my neighborhood over there on on uh, Saturday morning before the game, kind of my ritual. That place was packed full of people with Texans gear on. Oh yeah, yeah. It felt like it felt like when you go to a bar or a restaurant like near a college campus, like mm-hmm. the day of a game, where it's all oh, Texas yeah. stuff or A and M stuff. You go to the Dixie Chicken up there, and it's all people in Aggie gear. I mean, not everybody was in Texans stuff, but like way more than any other morning since I've been there, since you know I moved to that do. neighborhood. Hopefully they start doing this on the broadcast. It would be completely disingenuous. But you know, in Green Bay, they always show like, well, a Green Bay game's going on. The streets are empty, just desolate. And I'm, I'm always kind of thinking like, okay, well, what are the streets in Green Bay like it normally at hustle 10, and bustle. 10.30 p.m. Yeah. on a Monday night? Looks like, like New York. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but if they should go up to like... Uh, one of those areas, like in, uh, like right, uh, uh, right, the, the area right north of Rice University, where those like tree lined streets and everything. Oh yeah, yeah, they're super quiet West U, and everything. Yeah. Not yeah, uh, and just like take a take a shot of them. It's uh, not not Westview, but like north of the university, that area right there. We had a long talk about this. It's not it's not Westview, but it, whatever. But it, uh, they're very quiet streets. Just do that and show how desolate it is. Yeah, look how everybody's yeah. inside watching the game look or they're at, how, at the stadium. Look at how desolate it is, and also how very rich everybody is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, for his part in this, D'Amico Ryan's didn't even remember the exchange <laughs> with JJ Watt that was. That we played a short time ago. I did not remember him telling me that. <laughs> um, but I mean, JJ, I think that that game there was it was cool, cool moment for me. I was able to see, be here with JJ in his first game, and then be on the sideline as a coach to see him play his last game. And man, he had a really good game versus. I think he ended up with like two sacks. It just shows JJ is just an unbelievable player. Um, and you know. I'm, Thankful to call JJ a friend, right? Thankful to have played with him. Uh, truly great player, Hall of Fame talent. To be able to play with a guy like that, man, I'm I'm thankful for that uh, that moment to uh, share with JJ. Haven't haven't seen the video. Not sure what I said in the video, but hopefully everything worked out. Just <laughs> it was good. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it was good. Felt, felt like felt to me like he was nervous that somehow this might be considered tampering or something. Like I was, I was talking to him. I was yeah. talking to an active player about my plans for next year. And yeah. Like, oh, well. Oh crap. That would be. Uh, like, I mean, honestly. Like, no. Yeah. No. You do have to be paranoid legit. about that. So I almost did feel like he was kind of like, all right. Uh, I don't know exactly what the deal is here, but okay, that's. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um. D'Amico Ryans was asked this question. Is is he making Houston great again? I think when I took over the job here, one thing I wanted to uh, just instill in the entire city was uh, was pride back into our team here, right? So I want people around the city to be proud of the Texans, right? Be able to wear their Texans gear <laughs> and wear it proud. So I'm starting to see a lot of Texans gear around the city. <laughs> starting to see a lot of smiles. We go out to restaurants. A lot of people are excited about the Texans and what the men in this locker room have, have did on the field, right, to get the city excited about the Texans again. And that's what it's all about. Our guys have done a tremendous job of of regaining that respect, regaining that pride in our team, and that's one thing I wanted to do when I took over here. A text from a buddy yesterday was having a hard time finding Stroud jerseys. Really? Yeah, that's what he told me, yeah. Southampton Place is the place you would go. Uh, north of Rice Oh, University. that's the neighborhood? That's the neighborhood, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, where like, you can find your Stroud Yeah, that's right. We've had this conversation also. before. Yeah, because I get annoyed because then I, I, there, if I check the text line, there's going to be 300,000 people saying it's West University. Yeah. It's not. Um, the, he had a hard time finding a Stroud jersey? 
My buddy did yesterday. Yeah, huh. I said that's a good thing, man. That's I was a good, reading that's a about. Good sign. I was reading about um, the people that did the initial advertising campaign for Squatty Potty, and uh, they ran out of Squatty Potties because the, it was. They were some of the first people to advertise on YouTube, and it just blew up like crazy. Facebook, I think, first, but then. Like people are already advertising on on, uh, on on Facebook, but YouTube, like nobody was advertising on it yet, so they got so much advertising, super super cheap. And this is when it was super effective, but nobody realized it yet. So they just they ran out of squatty potties, much like your CJ Stroud jersey. Uh, same thing. Yes. Um, I'll bite. What what is a squatty potty? You it you put it in front of your toilet and you put your feet up on it and it puts you in the ideal position. To 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 help the peristalsis through your the, the, your bowels, yeah. To, okay, they, like you know, like in a lot of Asian cultures, people squat to poop, which is probably the yeah. better way to do it. The problem yeah. is in our country, we like to know, sit. Well, <laughs> squatting sounds like work to us, right? Right? Yeah, right. yeah. My quads are gonna burn while I poop. You go to some countries, and when you go into a public bathroom, it's like there's a there's a hole in the ground, right? And you True. better learn how to squat True. real quick. Um, they don't have a. You can't be like, sir. Can I have the squatty potty? <laughs> so, it, is it an apparatus you put like in front of the toilet or yeah, on the toilet? So. Well, or? Let's look it up right now and I'll describe it to you. But they have like around the base of the toilet. Around the yeah. base of the toilet. Yeah. Okay. Ben, do you own one? Yes, like, I do. Do you? Does really? it help? Does it work? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hit or miss. Here it is. Look. Look at this young lady. Ben's digestive body. tract. Did not know that was going to become a Sean, topic this time. Um, so the, it went oh, crazy. I see. Oh, okay. And so that's a young lady squatting on a toilet. She's got her pants on. That's her first mistake. Oh, it's <laughs> hard. It's going to be hard for her to get the squatty potty to work properly. That feels like a big waste of money. She's got her pants <laughs> If you got your pants on. Still. White pants pulled up to the waist. <laughs> I mean, in the dry cleaning bill that's going to come with that. White pants. It's like it's not even going to blend in. She's got the old school PJs on, maybe, with the, the back door, the, the barn door on the back. <laughs> Lady, you're doing this all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I can see where that would work. I want to say it was Mr. Beast, like that. That was one of the first things he consulted with. That might be way off, or no, 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 no. It was somebody else. But um, but they did. Yeah, they created the the, the unicorn uh, sitting on the squatty potty, and that was like a big viral. How much is it? Advertising campaign. This was um. Let's see. It's in stock. <laughs> Fifty two fifty. Marked down from $65. Okay, okay. Now, that's on this one site. Maybe it's less or more elsewhere. That feels know. like a big margin item right there. I mean, basically just a block that goes around the base of your toilet, 52 bucks. You poop almost every day, most people. <laughs> if you have one of those or if you like, no i'm just thinking of like in terms of like you oh, know, in terms of when, usage. They tell you, when they try to sell you on a mattress it's you know like hey you spend eight hours a day like, in that's bed. the selling point you poop every day i'm like i'm good i don't need one of those <laughs> they've got wood grain ones now do too. they really oh, no, no 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 this is just do, see okay. this is a knockoff this is a toilet stool because uh, one common question people have when they see the squatty Here's, potty is like so it's a stool yeah. you're like no no, it's shaped with a U so you can go around the toilet. Yeah. yeah here's, but you could easily accomplish it with two stools. Here's the nexus of this segment that we're doing right now. Can I get a Houston Texans squatty potty? Oh, oh, I bet. They should be able to. Just Googled it. Just like cornhole. Yeah, it doesn't look like it. I'd like to buy right a now. cornhole and a squatty potty. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, ben, that needs to happen. We need some licensing. Ben's used squatty potty. Yeah, ben, Doesn't sound like he's ben, all that do you crazy have a uni- about Ben, do you have, is yours a University of Miami Hurricane squatty yeah. potty? No, I don't know. If the, I don't think they make licensed ones. Yeah, yet. they need to. You just you just blew your you just blew your endorsement opportunity, Ben. I know, Ben. You could have. Uh, <laughs>
Uh, take, a minute here. Take from some my psyllium husk and get on home to that squatty potty, squatty damn it. Squatty potty. Get some, uh, let's get you an endorsement. Oh. I run home after every show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Payne and Pendergast with you on a, uh, on a Thursday. Game two days away. Um, Ravens and the Texans. Let's dig back into it. Dan Orlovsky. Typically somebody, when you find Dan Orlovsky talking about the Texans, it's about C.J. Stroud. And he loves him some C.J. Stroud. How about Dan Orlovsky on the challenges the Texans' defense proposes, or poses, I should say, to the Baltimore Ravens on Saturday? We've got that for you next. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Hi, Payne and Pendergast with you. Good to be with you. Boy, Squatty Potty getting a lot of love on the text page. Ben, you got a lot of people in Squatty Potty Army with you, man. Oh, good. Did, didn't realize it was such showed, a big thing. I showed Sean the pooping unicorn uh, commercial that went viral. It was one of the first. I'd never first. seen it before. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's not. It's one of the. It's like anything else online. I think a lot of a lot of people saw it like four thousand times because it was. It just. It was it, it was in the algorithm sent it their way. Yeah. Um, and and it met that need. I bet if you had had constipation issues or something, you would have seen a, a squatting unicorn at some time. What does the algorithm say about me on X right now that I get an inordinate number of videos of people either beating the crap out of each other or getting it's, mutilated in some way, like falling okay. off a skateboard or what probably happened is that is that even though you think you don't want that and maybe you know it's not best for you, you tend to watch a oh, good amount of it. Oh, I watch them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah just, well, there you go. There's okay. your answer. I'm just wondering how it's it really good. At, it's really good at figuring out, yeah. like, uh, well, okay, because A, you're a male. B, you watch, you you have a lot of sports content. At okay. some point, they probably directed it to you. I'm sure that's a really heavy demographic of people that like um, the, the fight videos and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. They, t- they dabble a few your way. And even though you think, like, God, I don't need to see this, you find yourself watching it for, like, five minutes. Right, Twitter, right. Twitter has always been really good at giving you the things that you believe you don't want right. or think you don't want, yeah. and yet secretly you can't get enough of it, Yeah, which is why sometimes you have such an icky feeling on there. That's not a... That was pre-Elon Musk and everything. That's yeah. just... Twitter's been always really good at tweaking people and, like, kind of... Whatever you believe, mm-hmm. whatever your belief system is, yeah. they're going to find the most objectionable person that believes the opposite, and it's going to find your way to your algorithm. Okay. And I'm like, yeah, it's, uh, it can be very... So you say, if you're conscious of that, you can kind of mute and say, like, they'll, if you put a little effort into it, that'll it'll realize, like, oh, okay, this guy definitely doesn't want this. Right. Or at least his overall experience on Twitter, he's going to leave... If we don't stop showing him this stuff, sure. because he's he's really making an effort to no 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 yeah I, I watch them I the thing I like about them is that usually like fifteen percent of them are bullies getting yeah. their comeuppance which I love those videos yeah like some bully that is picking good. on some yeah. kid and then doesn't realize the kid's a black belt or something yeah, like that the kid who's the aggressor kid winds up in some kind of spider hold or so whatever. then you find really joy in that and then a week later you find out that like oh it had been edited in such a way that no right the kid that was getting bullied was actually the bully and Don't like now I'm a, for me yeah, yeah yeah no I choose to believe the bully's getting his comeuppance every time they do so what they do is it's they're really good at figuring out stuff that's adjacent to what you like. Because yeah. like, if all you wanted, if all they did was give you the exact same type of video each time, then then all of a sudden you're going to get bored of it. So they give something a little to the side. So because you like sports and because you have testicles, um, they're like, okay, this guy might like this. After he watches this, uh, after he watches this Tom Brady clip, he might actually watch yeah. uh, like somebody who looks like Tom Brady getting beat up. Yeah, they're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah they're, they're they're right about that. Very little politics on my timeline. 
Yeah, that's minimal actually, politics. You know yeah. what? That's okay. I'll give Twitter credit for that. Yeah, because for a long time it was like when politics and sports all of a sudden just I collided. Hate it was rough. Yeah. And it didn't seem like it did a very good job at all of separating the two. I, you're right. I haven't had I haven't very had that, that conflict anymore. Very I like to little. stick to just sports. Yep. Okay. It's been good. Sports and people getting the crap kicked out of them. That's my timeline right now. And sped up recipes. I get a lot of those too. Like, here's how you make a lasagna casserole. And it's like a 90-second video of somebody <laughs> like putting it together. And I'm like, Amy, make this. Tonight. I get that on TikTok. I don't get it on you Twitter. You get on Facebook a lot too. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. I'm, never, I'm hardly ever on Facebook. Yeah. Hardly ever, ever, ever. If anybody has DM'd me, like, you're probably. 48th in line right. behind other people they that think I have. You're super snotty. Yeah, you I just don't look them. at Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Let's hear from Dan Orlovsky. Here's Dan Orlovsky. You pulled this audio, Seth. Dan Orlovsky talked about the Texans' uh, defense. Okay, so what are the keys to the Texans defensively versus this Ravens offense? And the first thing he brought up was how, like, you might not remember it, but the, the Texans linebackers were kind of dialed in in week one. To be honest with you, I thought this defense held Baltimore in check for the most part. And it was because of two things that stood out. One, Baltimore could not get to those linebackers for Houston. I thought Houston's inside linebackers versus Baltimore's run game were too quick. The diagnosis was too clear. And that's what led to so many short yardage games or even tackle for losses. Perryman was fantastic in this football game. And it'll be interesting to see how Baltimore tries to try and handle those guys because that's been the story of Houston's season defensively. Okay, so now when he said that, he moved on to something else, and I didn't know whether he was saying, I think for him to be accurate, what he meant had to have been like, okay, as the as the inside linebackers go, so goes the defense because there have been some games where the linebackers have been really bad and really sloppy and poor in coverage. There have been other games where they've been totally 100% dialed in. So, yeah, I think... As far as a key to victory in this week, especially, just like it was in the, just like it has been the last couple weeks, really, the the play of the linebackers is going to be huge. Even in that Colts game, the run they they did not defend Jonathan Taylor well, but what they did do was they shut down that intermediate range passing did they game ever, yeah. that was looking like it was going to be an issue early on. So that part of it is is like a huge key, and especially like how well they react to play action. Yeah, and and, and I guess here, going back and looking at the box score for that yeah. week one game, we're going to hear another one from Orlovsky here in just a second. Um, Denzel Perryman pay, played 95% of the snaps in that game. Christian Harris played 72% of the mm-hmm. snaps in that game. Blake Cashman did not play in that game. Right. So you feel like maybe they've got a little more depth this time yeah, around? It, Perryman's interesting. I feel like Cashman and Perryman have different skill sets. Perryman... Uh, like he just he comes up and he's old school he's a versus the run, missile. yeah. yeah. Um, and I wonder if like some of that figuring out how to use those guys in different situations is is some of the cat and mouse game between Todd Monk and the offensive coordinator for the Ravens and D'Amico Ryan's and Matt Burke this week. Uh, the other big key that he said defensively was how well the Texans blitz and then how well the Ravens pick up on it for Baltimore offensively. Are you going to be ready for the certain and specific pressures that Houston's going to bring mm. if you can get into those third down situations? Right. So, and he went on to show like a lot of film heavy examples that don't look good on radio or you can't see on radio because we're on radio. And, they, and thus they look yeah. terrible. Yeah. Um, like the Texans blitzing on third and long, especially like in definite passing situations. Uh, and then also versus the run sometimes on first and second down, uh, like that there've been moments where 
they've been really, really good with it. Um, I think they've got increasingly better at it in key situations and in the fourth quarter, especially over the last few weeks. So that versus Lamar Jackson and some of what the Texans did versus Joe Flacco was they got they started off kind of vanilla in that game, and then they got increasingly complex just in terms of disguising things, rotating the safeties at the snap, all that stuff, and ultimately it worked out really well in confusing Joe Flacco. So Lamar Jackson, who does not have the same turnover issues that Joe Flacco does, can you can you dupe him into a bad decision? The Texans did have an interception in the first quarter of they that did. game. And, and you know who it was? That started it was Will Anderson. Yep. Will Anderson came inside on a game and and was hitting Lamar Jackson as he threw the ball, and Steven Nelson made a nice uh, nice play on the ball for it. If I remember correctly, too, Jalen Petrie was having a pretty good game that day before he went out with the the chest injury. Yeah, remember, remember Jalen? Yeah, Jalen yeah. missed a couple games after that because he was spitting up blood. He had a bruised lung. And he got a bruised lung because he came free on a blitz on Lamar Jackson, and I think Lamar's knee hit him in the chest. That's what's um, that's what's been interesting about the Texans over the last few weeks. I think that earlier in the season, I would say, all right, right down the center of your defense is what you have to worry about. And like very early in the season, at times, all right, I don't know about these defensive tackles and this, these linebackers against the run. Over time, that turned into very much a strength, especially the defensive line versus the run. Um, I think likewise... Versus the past, the safeties and the linebackers have been a big liability at times this season. I think they're rounding into very much being an asset, like Christian Harris getting that pick six. And and that's where a lot of the regular season stats and everything else you gotta throw out the window. The the whether you believe in peaking at the right time or not, what I hope for this week is that man. The Texans, in a lot of ways, seem to be peaking at the right time. It seems like C.J. Stroud and Bobby Slowick are very much on the same page, and they're just making a lot of things happen that feel like the culmination of a, an entire year of building to this. Defensively, I think it's starting to look more and more like the defense that D'Amico envisioned, and that some of the younger players on that defense are able to do some of the more nuanced and veteran things that can confuse a quarterback. Not to mention, and then the first, like, the, the the biggest thing is just the brute force trauma of having a good pass rush off the edge. Yeah. And up the middle. Just that pass rush, those four guys up front, like as it has been the last couple of weeks, if those guys can rush the ball as well, rush the quarterback as well as they have been um, over the second half of the season, really, which is a big challenge versus this Ravens offensive line. No doubt. That's the, the, the huge key to the game. No doubt. All right, Payne and Pendergast with you. Game on Saturday, 3.30. Seth and I have you for Texans Countdown starting at 1230. Big one. Biggest game in franchise history coming up this Saturday. And uh, we want you to be here with us for it uh, here on Sports Radio 610. Bobby Slowick is maybe among coordinators the hottest prospect on the coaching cycle right now. I think there's an argument for that just based on the number of teams that have requested interviews. Has Bobby Slowick taken any of these teams up yet on their offer to interview him? How dialed in is he? On the Baltimore Ravens, we're going to hear from the Texans OC coming up next. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 